This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Day 5, Fall Camp 2021 is in the books on the lovely, beautiful shores of Lake Washington. Practice again out on the east field, and the weather has definitely kicked up. What would you say is probably mid-70s, uh, mid supposed to get into the low 80s today. Uh, supposed to be mid-90s on Friday, and speaking of Friday, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, if you want to budget for Friday... Uh, 10 to noon at Seattle Memorial Stadium uh, in Seattle Center, 10 to noon, and that will be open. It's, it sounds like that's a scrimmage, Scott. No, not just a scrimmage. A pra- just I, a practice? Just practice, off-site. Yeah, off-site practice. All right, so that initially was not supposed to be open, but uh, they went ahead and opened that up. So, uh, like I said, day five in the books. And big thing today, officials out on the field throwing flags. Preseason for them as well. Yeah, no, for sure, and that helps ramp up the intensity. But when you, you know, when you've got that going on, and you've got them doing a lot of red zone type stuff, which really kind of compresses the field, but it really gets guys in a in a small area together. When sometimes it's a little bit more spread out in the, you know, in between the twenties, you know, you start to get some chippiness, and then you add to the fact that this is probably their last. I won't say it will be for sure, but it's probably their last day before they go into full pads. And you can just tell these guys want to hit somebody bad. Um, you know, you got to see some some interesting skirmishes. And you definitely got to see the difference, Kim, between how Chris Peterson would run a practice when guys would get in fights and how Jimmy Lake runs practices when, when guys get in fights. It's very different. Hey, hey, Scott, one of the things, you know, with the officials out there, um, these DBs, um, they do a lot of grabbing and holding, but mm-hmm. there was some, definitely some flags thrown out there today on yeah, that. Yeah, a couple, couple PI uh, calls. Um, one was on uh, Cameron Fabi Kulanen, and another one was on, I think, Kyler Gordon. Yeah, um, that I one saw was, that one. Yeah. That one was iffy, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. Could have gone either Might way. Might have been ticky-tack, but if they call it, they call it. So, yeah, um, yeah. and, and um, you know, the wide receivers are going to need to learn how to battle through that, too. So I don't think it's a bad thing. And no, no, for sure. That's why they do it. I mean, they, you know, it's good for the officials because they can use it as a preseason, but it's great for the players because, you know, it, it's not it's not only the fact that the officials can, you know, kind of impose their judgment on things, but the coaches can also coach up the officials to say, this is what we're looking for. This is what we want to emphasize. This is how we want you guys to officiate accordingly because, they're not going to once the games actually start. The officials they're going to you know they're going to do what they do. Well, I agree with you. The the wide receivers need to learn how to play with it because when they go down to Cal, you know, with Keith Hayward down there, you know, Keith is having those guys push and grab and hold, and you know, the same thing down at Oregon. So mm-hmm. it is something that they're going to need to deal with because they're going to see it. But you know, the big thing today with those officials out there, the intensity picked up, and you know, early on in camp, it was uh, Kowal 
Pihopa, who has always seemed to be in the middle of them. Lately, it seems to be Jacoby Covington in the middle of them. Well, Jacoby Covington was definitely on one. He he actually ripped Jalen Polk's helmet off on one that they got into a skirmish. Um, and then he got a PI. But, I mean, they definitely were targeting him. He was with the number two corners today uh, after Trent McDuffie and uh, Kyler Gordon. And so he got a lot of work. And Dominique Hampton got into it. Uh, he actually he looked to me now in real time. It looked to me like he tried to throw a punch at somebody. And then Julius Bulow just kind of came in and <laughs> tried to, to clean up. Yeah, does what Julius Bulow does, <laughs> which is just lay over everybody and just just you know I, I see a pile. I'm going to go after it. You know, so cool big pile exactly. on whoever. So, yeah. so you know, guys are were getting after a little bit. And it was I I talked a couple days ago. If you if you remember. I really thought that the energy and the intensity and the chippiness and stuff was going to continue to build up. And that's and that's partly due to the fact that Jimmy Lake allows this a lot of this stuff to happen. He wants it to be a part of what's going on. So um, you know, it's it's Jacoby Covington rips Jalen Polk's helmet off, they you know, they skirmish and do whatever, and then J- and then Jacoby Covington's still in the in the practice and he's still uh doing whatever he does, which you know, normally if that was Chris Peterson, those guys would be holding hands and doing lover's lane and going around the, the field and doing whatever you do. So it's and it's such a huge difference. No lover's lane for Jimmy Lake, it seems. Nope, not yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, we saw it all spring. We saw it in the fall so far. No, no, none of that. And again, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, part of the reason for the intensity is because they were doing a lot of red zone stuff today. So not a lot of field to work on. So a lot more physical on the routes, uh, you know, and a lot more physical with the offensive linemen. And, uh, you know, just, you know, it's day five. Well, it's day five, but it's also, if, if we assume that it's the last day that they're in, they're not in full pads, you know, that, that ramps things up considerably. That just, you know, they four or five days of, of, of being able to, to just kind of lean on guys a little bit, but not really go after them, um, that's going like, to wear on them a little of, bit. Kind of like the Kentucky Derby when you see the horses in back of the gate and they just want to get in there and they want the gate to open. It yeah. seems, seems like we're seeing a little bit of that. They just want to go. For sure. No, there, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, for instance, I mean, I, I kept talking about how, you know, people were wondering how the offensive line, defensive line is doing, and they're doing great. But, you know, bottom line is until they're in pads, though, though, the, the play in the trenches, you just can't. You really can't glean anything from it other than are they moving well? Do they look good? Do they look quick? Are their feet good? You know, all the stuff you'd see when they're in their pajamas, as Jimmy Lake would say, you can you can note. But when it comes down to it, when those guys put on the full pads, that's when you know where the rubber meets the road with the line in the trenches. And we'll get to see how having that extra defensive lineman in there, for instance, will will play out. We'll get to see, you know, how much having all five of the starting offensive linemen coming back will pay dividends. Because we saw that all spring, minus Vic Kern. How big is Vic Kern in his return going to play out? And while you're, you may be interested in the line, what I'm really excited about, you know, to take a look at once we see the pads on, I'm really excited to see what these running backs can do. Yeah, yeah. Richard Newton has looked really good, JB, on Sundays. Had his moments. Cam Davis was getting a lot of carries with the ones today. Um, Sean McGrew has had a couple nice plays too. Sam Adams, we've seen a lot of him. So yeah, I'm I'm interested to see when they go to that. What is it? The nine on seven or whatever they call it, where yeah. the where the running back has to it's a running basically play. in the box. Yeah, You're just running basically in the box. in the box play. So um, it's it that's one of my favorite drills of ball camp. Running backs the deepest unit on this team. Absolutely. Right now? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Sure you know, feels like it. I, I would say the the offensive line is right up there too because they have guys with experience behind the starters. But yeah, the, I mean, absolutely the deepest. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it wasn't very long ago we were worried they were running out of running backs. They're not uh, in that position. No, not at all. Quarterbacks, uh, unofficially, real unofficial, because we don't see everything. I had Dylan Morris down 8 of 11 with three touchdowns and one interception. I had Patrick O'Brien 8 of 11 as well with two touchdowns, no interceptions. Sam Hewitt struggled today, uh, 2 of 9 with one touchdown, which is a Beautiful throw, by the way, but uh, he had two interceptions today. Yeah, and you got to remember, some of those are in seven-on-seven. Um, for the uh, for all the quarterbacks, and some of them were in um, short goal line situations. So it's just you know they're putting them in scenarios, and you can't glean too much from the stats. It also seems when Sam is missing, he's throwing behind guys. Yeah, and that's that's been a constant theme. Yep, he's done that when the, especially in the balls in the middle of the field, seems to be not kind of in the window as much as you would want him to be. Certainly not leading guys that I've really seen. Uh, to be fair to Sam, though. The the second pick that he had was with with Bookie in the flat and Bookie just I mean that's just textbook what he did in terms of getting the tip tipping it to himself um, it's just exactly what you would want to see out of the defender who's basically kind of in the middle you know the the quarterback's maybe trying to get over you know get the ball over him a little bit and you know he's not the biggest guy in the world but I'm telling you he has some gifts he plays a big he, he plays, plays big bigger game. he plays big like Buddha he plays bigger. And that particular play was just by the numbers how exactly how you'd want to do it. Um, Dylan, he looked good, but when he throws interceptions, uh, boy, he, he they look bad. I well, don't know inter- if that one was a bad one. The he, interception he threw was what to Julius he, Irvin? No, no, that was the other. That was Sam. Yeah. No, the one that he threw was. Oh, that was the tip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kate Otten was bracketed by like two right. or three. He shouldn't have thrown the pass because yeah, there was someone right. else open. But it actually hit Otten's hands, yeah. and it went up in the air and then went to Esteen, who was behind the play. So I don't know if that's a bad throw, but I know what you're saying. There's been some. It wasn't necessarily a bad throw, but it was probably a bad read. Choice. If yeah. you, when they go back and look at that film, they're going to be talking about flats. They're going to be talking yeah. about easy money that he could be getting as opposed to trying to maybe force something. And there was a post out on the board, you know, talking about how many interceptions Sam had or how many interceptions in the camp. And, you know, my read on that, especially on day five, these quarterbacks learn more from throwing an interception than they do on any completion that they make. Well, that's true. And they're also doing things that they might not do in a game. It's, It's the chance for them to try things that they weren't necessarily going to try in games. And when they go to make the game plan, um, any coach will go to his quarterback and say, which 10 plays do you feel comfortable throwing? Maybe Dylan Morris, Patrick O'Brien, Sam Heward would say, these are the ones I'm throwing picks on. I don't feel comfortable with those right now. I feel more comfortable with these routes over here that I'm constantly completing. Well, yes, yeah. not only the quarterbacks that are learning from it, it's just the coaches are learning what they're capable of as well. Yeah, and I, and I get that. I just think that sometimes it's easy to look at the numbers and go, okay, he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. But again, like I want to point out with Bucky's play, sometimes the defender just makes a better play. Maybe you made the correct read. Maybe nine times out of ten you're going to complete that pass. But in that one time when the defender reads it perfect, plays it perfect, you're going to get picked. And 
Sam just got picked on that play, and I don't, I don't blame him. I don't think he made a horrible throw. I just think the defender made a better play on that, and sometimes that happens. Yeah, you know, and then we were uh, up in the stands a little bit um, in the end zone up above looking down so we could see things. And, you know, it's a lot easier for us to see, you know, reads that they're missing and guys that were open that they missed as well, Scott. Yeah, it's easier. It's It's much easier for us to see that from our vantage point. And he'll see it when he goes in the film room. That's what it's all about. Yeah, red zone. A lot of work on red zone today. Tons. And and, and again, I think that adds to the chippiness because you're really compressing the field. You're getting those guys playing tight. And and with the officials out there that are they're going to throw their flags, if they see a lot of hands with the DBs, they're going to see some other things. Um, you know, again, that again, it just lends itself to things being a little friskier maybe than they would have been the first couple of days. And I also think, again, it just comes down to the last day, in my opinion, before they go into full pads. And you can see it, especially with the DBs. They're trying to be aggressive. They're trying to be combative. They're trying to impose themselves. And let's let's be perfectly honest. The, the receivers have not been up to scratch so far this camp. But now you're seeing the receivers starting to – you know, give a little back from what they had gotten. And so you see guys like Taj Davis, you see guys like Jalen Polk, you see guys like Roma Dunsey and, and Terrell Bynum and Jalen McMillan and Sawyer Racanelli and, and these guys starting to come back and try to make some plays. And again, the difficulty in them trying to get separation, Kim, that's further compounded when you compress the field. Even tougher to try to get separation. And with the red zone work today, I would see it would say it was heavy emphasis on the passing game in the red zone. The pads going on tomorrow. I'm expecting to see some red zone work with the running game. Yeah, and they did get some some work in with the running backs. I mean, Richard Newton had that nice run on the yeah. on the sideline down the sidelines and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, they should. I, you're going to need goal line. You're going to need to work on goal line. One yeah. thing I was going to say, Kim, and, and pointing to Richard Newton, Scott, you, you made a note of it as soon as he did it. He bounced one play out. You could just see right away the, the difference yeah. in his quickness to getting out to the edge. This is a guy that I think right now has found the ideal size for him to be able to have enough bulk to play behind his pads and do some damage and push the pile forward on offense between the tackles. But then also, if he has a chance to bounce – now, all of a sudden, he's got some quicks. He's got some explosiveness. He can get around the edge, and, and he showed that a couple of times today. I don't think he's built like a power back. You know, when you take a look, you know, he's not a 230-pound running back. But when you look at him, I tend to see him more built like a thoroughbred. But he was used like a power back two years ago. And so I think yeah. he, he certainly has that in his arsenal. He has the ability to play like a power back. Um, you know, we're, he's not going to run the ball like Derrick Henry, for instance. But he has the ability to move the pile, and that's what he did two years ago. That's what everyone knew him for, and I think he's adding other parts to his game that's really making him uh, a lot more of a well-rounded running back and the kind of running back that I think Keith Bonifant knows he's capable of being. Yeah, and you know, getting back to the running game, um, you know, they use the tight ends. H back, and then they occasionally line those guys back up, especially in the red zone at fullback. And it seems to be three guys mainly doing that with Kate Otten, Jack Westover, and Javon Forward. Javon Forward. And I thought we'd see a little bit more of Devin Culp doing that, and that may be because acclimation period with Devin. Yeah, or maybe they just don't think they need him and they like him where he is. I don't know. Um, I think you'll see Devin do probably more. Um, and if they do go, and if they do go full pads tomorrow, he will not be in full pads. 
Yeah. I mean, that's Cole. Yeah. He, he's two days behind. And Jack Westover, um, I mean, he just seems to be able, you know, he doesn't stand out doing any one mm-hmm. thing, but boy, he can sure do a lot of things out there. Yeah. And that versatility makes him real valuable. Yeah, you talk about uh, Sam Heward, because he, Jack Westover got by uh, the defensive back down the seam and what was wide open what should have been like about a 40, 50 yard touchdown pass and Sam just overthrows him. So um, that's one you need to have back too. But um, yeah, I, I thought Jack, Jack can just do so many different things. His parents were there the other day, uh, really nice family. And uh, he was more of a basketball player. He's still kind of learning the game. Yeah, it was funny because yesterday we were talking um to uh, Luke Wattenberg, and he was. I asked him for an instance of Jackson Kirkland, who was back out there today, by the way, uh, of uh, Jackson's um, nastiness. And he talked about a play at Arizona that they play all the time about Jackson taking their linebacker and taking him into the front row of the stands. Uh, Jackson kind of did that today with Cooper McDonald. Yeah, I was going to add about Jack Westover just to finish that. That you know, he also had a touchdown in one of the funnier moments. He had a touchdown during the team period at the end from Dylan Morris in the corner, and the official gave it a touchdown. But yet, this you know they've had this thing where the siren sounds just like it would at Husky Stadium if they scored a touchdown in a game, and and Jimmy's brought that through in practice. The siren didn't sound, and the offense who was on the the, the sideline closest to us, right next to the guy with the siren, and they're like they're like screaming at him. Sound the siren. Play the siren. What are you doing? And then even when, uh, was it uh, Peyton goal. Henry made a field goal and they didn't sound the siren. The offensive guys, the offensive guys were a little pissed today, I think, because they didn't uh, sound the siren enough times for him. But Jack Westover, again, I feel like a broken record. He's, I think he's done really, really good this fall. And he's got some catching up to do because he didn't do a lot in spring. Jackson Kirkland back on the field today. Mm, yeah, looked good. I mean, it's not much else to say. Handled his business. Uh, like you said, he got after uh, Cooper McDonald for a little bit. Took on Savelle Smalls on a couple rushes. Yeah, he was back to him. So I don't think he was injured at all. I don't think. I, they might just be resting him. They, in the NFL, they rest guys. They're resting guys right now. NBA, they're resting guys on, a, on occasion. I think yesterday was just a rest day for him. You mentioned Savelle Smalls? Yeah. He, he was, was there. Okay, just yeah. Just double tackle. Actually had a TFL today to tackle for loss on uh, Richard Newton on a goal line. Play, I was going to so. say, yesterday they were really sticking with pairings mm-hmm. with the outside linebackers, and then today I thought they really mixed and matched a lot more, maybe to just get got certain pairings on film, because this was the first time in camp that I'd seen the pairing of Trice and, and, um, and Savelle together, which I think a lot of fans are curious about what that could, what that could well, look like. And Kaika Malloy said both have really... Uh, Savelle has really taken a huge leap in his knowledge of the game and understanding the nuances. And then he said Braylon Trice is just learning how his body can do what it does. Yeah. And, and he said he's he still thinks he can be better than Joe Tryon before it's all We started. always talk about the year one to year two improvement, and we're going to see that Savelle Smalls. And year two I don't to three is even bigger. I don't, well, I don't know about that. But I will say typically they will tell you that the, the – the improvement made from year one to year two is substantial, and I, we're going to see that with Savelle. Kyler and Trent are obviously the first two corners. Who's the third corner? Um, I think it's probably – well, if you go back today, yeah. Covington and, and, and Michelle Powell, Mish Powell, yeah, but I those, think, are the, those are the number twos. But I I think it's probably one – it's probably Elijah Jackson, but 
Elijah Jackson wasn't working out today, so he was on the sidelines. And we haven't seen James Smith in a couple days. So Cameron Fabiculanen? I don't think nickel. he's a corner. He's a nickel. He's, he's or been a the nickel. safety. He's or been the safety. nickel right with, with, with Bookie Radley Hiles, but I do think we're starting I, – because I was touting that, that position battle before the fall camp, and I think Bookie has really kind of established himself. I mean, it Maybe in some ways like he did in spring. I just thought that the, the coaches were probably going to be super intrigued with Cam Fabs, his length and what he can do with his, with his IQ and just getting in the right positions. Because if you see a guy like Bookie Radley Hiles and what he did in the flat today – He's 5'9", with a much, much smaller wingspan, as opposed to a guy like Fabio Kalani, who's 6'1", 6'2". Think of what he can do. You know, instead of taking, instead of getting like a tip pick for Bookie, could Fabio Kalani get it to the point where he could get his arm out there outstretched, where he's not having to like grab it, he could actually maybe go pick six. So there's, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm sure that the coaches are thinking about, but from the outside looking in, that's what I saw when I saw that position battle. I haven't seen, I've never seen Bookie outside. Is that something you guys have ever seen him or even at Oklahoma or is he strictly an inside guy? Well, no, talk about, talk about in the, yeah, yeah, talk about in the slot. I'm talking about as, as the nickel, but he's also played a bunch as, as the, as a, you know, whether it's a single high or uh, cover two. I mean, he's, he's played a lot of safety out there back there in the, in the back. So I think they like the fact that he can make, he can make some things happen close to the line of scrimmage, Kim, but I also think they really like the fact that they can use him as a safety valve. You know, he could be like the last, you know, the last line of defense, so to speak. Who is that leader in the secondary? Because as you could say, it's Trent, but he's Trent's a pretty quiet guy. Well, I think Bookie is for sure. I yeah. think he's that he's that leader. Um, he's the guy that has he grabbed a lot of people's attention uh, for what he did at Oklahoma. Big and, personality. Yeah, and he's a big personality. Trent's got some personality for sure. Um, I think Kyler is one of those guys that's a little bit more show me, a little bit more leads by example. Um, I, I think Cameron Williams, Cameron. when yep. he's out there, is that guy, but he hasn't been out there for two days. Yeah, so. so not sure exactly what's going on with him. So obviously because some of those guys have been out, we've seen more Asa Turner, we've seen more Alex Cook, we've seen more Julius Irvin, obviously oh, Dom Hampton. Uh, those guys have been getting a lot of reps in safety. And you take a look at that depth of safety, and you know they don't need to take a safety in this recruiting class. I mean, they're loaded at well, safety. Well, I mean, they've got a lot of bodies. Yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about all the scholarship yeah. guys, which kind of leads to your point. I mean, we haven't talked too much about Vincent Nunley. You know, for instance, he's a guy that should just be allowed to develop naturally and uh, get in that weight room, get a, bigger, faster, stronger. Jafari Spears has had moments. Yep. Oh no, for sure. All the freshmen have. There's no doubt. Although McCutcheon. Hasn't I think outside of the first day? Yep. Once the first day came around, halfway through the practice, half, yeah, halfway through the practice, yeah. yeah. So you know, it's it's unfortunate that that he kind of got hit with the injury bug early, but uh, Spears for sure has been out there and done some nice things. Yeah, between Irvin McCutcheon and Heward, we've got we've got an all dad team going on, you know, with uh, Heward and Lawrence McCutcheon being uh, that's his granddad. Yeah, being his granddad. You're talking yeah. uh, Daylon. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Leroy Irvin's mm-hmm. in the Hall of Fame for the Rams. So, yeah. uh, some pretty good lineage there. So, um, anything else we need to touch bases on, guys? Yeah, I think uh, a big note today was we really got a chance to see um, Zion Tubola Fatui actually starting to do some conditioning stuff. Um, he was kind of going sometimes from sideline to sideline, so you'd see him kind of slowly jogging around, which is huge. Because, um, you know, Alfonso, Alfonso Tupatala is not doing that. 
And if we were led to believe that the injuries were similar, they're on much different trajectories in terms of how close they are to getting back on the field and what their rehab is going to be like. So that was really impressive to see him already starting to do some some of the things that they asked him to do in, in um, conditioning off to the side. So I thought that was a, a pretty big note, and I know Washington fans should be pretty happy about that. Yeah, we saw a little bit more emphasis on uh, field goal unit today. I don't um, know if you took any notes on that. No, a little bit. I mean, I know that, you know, I mean, Peyton Henry missed a kick or two. He also he also made a couple of kicks at the very end um, that were roughly 45, 46, 46 yeah. yards. So, I mean, he's he's got enough. He's got enough leg, and I think he's done a little bit better job this fall so far than Tim Horn. But Horn's got a big leg, and, and I still wonder if there's a potential 50-plus if they might not be tempted to try to, you know, give him a shot. And they still got a crooked crossbar out there. I don't know. First time I saw, first time we saw Giles Jackson actually as a returner, but this was as punt return. Mm-hmm. Saw him out there with um, Trent McDuffie and Roma Dunze. So I, I don't know. Did Giles Jackson return punts in Michigan? Obviously, I know he did a ton of kickoffs. <coughs> I did don't he remember. do punts? I don't remember. Okay, I don't know. All right, Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Good fifth day. Looking forward to tomorrow. Hopefully full pads tomorrow because those are more fun to watch. And um, They're ready. Yeah, they're they're definitely ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Chris Fetters? No, I'm just saying that outside of seeing Zion do some conditioning was great, but they are fully ready. And the that, that first day in pads, I can't tell you how, how much fun that is to watch just because of, of all the stuff that goes on. They want to kill each other. They've wanted to kill each other for all for. It's what four or five months now, um, so it's it's going to be fun. And obviously, Coach Lake is a, is a coach that doesn't mind them mixing it up a little bit more, a lot more than Coach Pete would have allowed. So that that is also going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch as we go forward. Jim Clifford on the sidelines today for a little bit. Yeah, James Clifford for and sure working with Mark the Mariners. Bruner. Mark Bruner was there with yeah. uh, his bride watching Carson. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, Mark of course is doing still doing scouting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's about to head out and start visiting schools. Yeah, and, and I think it's very telling on Carson Bruner that they obviously trust him enough and think he's smart enough that he's playing a number of different positions out there. Yeah. on defense in the front. So we saw a little bit of that today. Um, I'm sure we'll continue to see some of that. But he's, he's certainly developing his arsenal. It's interesting with the parents because we get some parents when we obviously see the parents are living vicariously through their kids. And when you take a look at uh, Mark Bruner, um, he's just proud, proud dad out there. Sure. No, and I'm sure he's probably remembering some of the glory days because he, he had a few, he had a few uh, good moments out there at Husky Stadium. Yeah, but uh, the East Field back then was closer to the water and a lot yeah. of geese out there. Yeah. And the hard AstroTurf in Susky Stadium with the big old bubble in the middle. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, just wrapping it up. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Again, just a reminder, uh, tomorrow is open to the public. I believe that's true. Tomorrow is open to the public, and Friday also open to the public um, down at Memorial Stadium. So, um, a couple more opportunities for you to take a look. And for those of you who work downtown, you can just go ahead and take the monorail into the Seattle Center. But um, I'm pretty sure tomorrow is open to the public. Chris is grabbing his schedule. Yeah. I can't see anything. Can't find that. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure tomorrow is open to the public. Is it? Yes. Yeah, tomorrow's open to the public. So, so. does Dusky Stadium. Yeah. Yes. So from Thankfully. all. Thankfully. 
Yeah. We'll be able to sit in the shade. Yeah. From all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grounds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>